Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Habits, Happy Homes podcast hosted by the Guelph Family Health Study. If you're interested in the most recent research and helpful tips for a healthy, balanced living for you and your family, then this podcast is for you. In each episode, we'll bring you topics that are important to your growing family and guests who will share their expertise and experience with you. Our quick tips will help your family build healthy habits for a happy home. Welcome back to season three of our podcast. I'm Lisa Tang. And I'm Sabrina Douglas. Today on the podcast, we have Lindsay O'Reilly. Lindsay is a registered dietitian working with student health services at the University of Guelph. She provides one-on-one nutrition counseling for University of Guelph students on a variety of topics, including healthy eating, sports nutrition, eating disorders, IBS, and vegetarianism. She also develops nutrition and wellness-related programming on campus, such as cooking classes and workshops. Lindsay, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks, Sabrina and Lisa. So maybe we can start off with an overview of what makes a diet a fad diet. So how would you define it and what are some examples? I think there's lots of different ways that you can define a fad diet. A lot of times we hear people talking about a fad diet as any food routine where you're asked to cut out or avoid specific foods or food groups or where there's rules around when you're allowed to eat and when you're not allowed to eat. I like to take it even one step further to talk about a diet as any food routine that prioritizes weight loss as its main outcome. I think our society has a really toxic relationship with weight and we often relate health to weight loss or to our weight when really um, there's not a very strong correlation between the two. Um, Because so many people turn to fad diets to achieve weight loss, um, are there any potential risks associated with these fad diets? I think it depends on the diet to some degree. Um, In the short term, there can be some physical side effects. So a lot of folks might feel tired or dizzy or have trouble concentrating and focusing. A fad diet that's really restrictive can worsen depression or anxiety. In the long term, we can see nutrient deficiencies when someone's following a fad diet. And I think one of the biggest risks that is across the board for any fad diet is that it has a really negative impact on our relationship to food. So anytime we're engaging in a food routine where we label foods as good or bad or we have rules around food, um, it's not long before we make the jump to seeing our food habits as a reflection of who we are as a person. So if I eat a bad food, I feel like I'm a bad person um, and it tends to lead to guilt and shame and it's really hard to make positive choices and to take care of yourself if you don't feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. So given that there's so many of these consequences associated with fad dieting, why do you think people turn to fad diets as a solution? I think a lot of people turn to them because generally we have really busy lives and we have a lot on our plates. I think we're really overwhelmed by the amount of nutrition information and misinformation out there. Everybody has to eat, so everybody has different opinions about food and nutrition, and it's really, really hard to get credible advice. So when we feel overwhelmed, we tend to lack confidence in ourselves, and it seems like a good solution to turn to specific rules. So then we don't have to make the decisions, we just follow the rules that are in place. Mm-hmm. And for kids, are there any um, potential risks associated with parents following fad diets? On their, are there risks to their children as well? 
Uh, I think the same risks would apply in terms of the risks of nutrient deficiencies if a child is following a fad diet. But I think, again, one of the biggest risks is um, the negative effect on a relationship to food. So even if the parent is following a fad diet and the kid isn't necessarily following it, if they're talking about it, um, that can be toxic conversation for a kid to hear. And it can really shape their view of their body and their view of food. Mm-hmm. So kind of modeling parents as, as food models, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah. modeling that kind of behavior. and Yeah, they have really, really strong influence. Right. So um, I think kids are watching and they're noticing what parents are doing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I think that goes for, uh, you know, any kind of, uh, not necessarily a parent, but any kind of guardian, like mm-hmm. any, any, like even um, aunts or uncles. And if that or kind even of a, conversation. a babysitter or a teacher. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so earlier you had talked about, it's really hard to find um, credible information. Mm-hmm. So a lot of information, everybody eats, so everybody's an expert, right? So a lot yeah. of information is, is often found uh, online, especially through social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm wondering uh, how we go about finding or deciphering what information out there is credible and um, kind of uh, if you have any tips on, um, you know, when parents or families are looking at a website, whether uh, what are some red flags around this is not credible or what are some ways we can decide that this is in fact credible? Yeah, I think one of the best strategies is to look at the source. And so dietitians are a regulated health professional that have to have specific education and training and they have to do ongoing professional development. Um, a nutritionist is not a regulated term. A lot of folks don't know the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist, but a nutritionist is not a regulated term, so anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. Um, dietitians are really the only regulated health professionals that have specific training that can help you consider kind of the bigger perspective and all the different things that factor into food for you. Um, Doctors are really, really knowledgeable in lots of topics related to health, but they don't have specific nutrition training. So that's another really confusing thing for lots of folks. When a doctor um, is providing nutrition advice, for the most part, it's based on their own personal experience, which might have been very helpful for them, but might not be applicable or effective for everyone. So it's really good to check the source and look for um, a source that's put out by a dietitian. Mm-hmm. Another another thing that I like to suggest, I used to suggest to my patients was see if they're selling anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really website. good one. Like, yeah. Are they selling a diet shake? Are they sh- selling kind of some yes. kind of miracle pill yeah, for sure. um, that's going to uh, cure all of the problems? Right. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so looking to see what they're selling and what are they trying to gain from it yeah Yeah, from Mm -hmm. the website um so we hear a lot of talk about superfoods lately um and they've been getting a lot of hype in fad diets uh can you talk a bit about these foods and whether or not they're worth the hype yeah, so superfoods are um, foods that legitimately do have a higher nutrient content. So, for example, spinach is more nutrient-dense than iceberg lettuce. I think the tricky part with superfoods, there's a few different things, but one of the things is um, talking about superfoods causes us to hyper-focus on the nitty-gritty details. So if we change nothing else about our food routine or our approach to food, but we start putting spinach instead of iceberg lettuce on our sandwich, it's probably not going to make a big difference for us. And so we lose that over perspective of our food routine and positive food habits Um, and another tricky thing is superfoods tend to be more expensive so they're really not accessible for everyone and it's important to know that you don't have to have superfoods to meet your nutrient needs or to have a positive food routine Mm -hmm. and um, just speaking of different foods to get like I um, think it's important to mention also that 
you know, frozen foods in the wintertime, now mm-hmm. that we're kind of approaching the winter, frozen foods are just as... Just as nutritious. Um, like fruits yeah. and vegetables, I'm talking. For sure, yeah. Are just as nutritious, and sometimes maybe even more so depending on whether or not they were picked mm-hmm. at their peak of ripeness versus... Uh, picked much earlier off the plant and sent on a truck. Yeah, and I think they're a good strategy too because I see lots of folks that want to try to eat more fruits and veggies. They have really positive intentions, so they buy all these things, they bring them home, and something comes up, they don't have time to prepare them, and they go bad. And that's really negative reinforcement for trying to buy fruits and veggies again. So um, frozen options are a really good option to just keep on hand. They're there if you need them. You can include them as part of a meal, but you don't have to worry about them going bad. Right, and a way to prevent food waste in my house at least because sometimes I lose track of something in the way yep. back, bowels of my fridge, um, is throw it in a Ziploc bag and put it in the freezer. You might not be able to eat that pepper fresh, but yep. you can definitely throw it in a stir fry or a quiche or something like that. Yeah, it's good practice to try to do a fridge inventory every few days to try to catch those things in the back right. of the fridge and then um, either put it in the freezer or some things just already come in packages that are too big um, for us to eat. So I can never get through a whole bunch of cilantro before it goes bad. So right. I chop <laughs> half of it up and put it in the freezer right when I first bring it home. Right, right, yes. And uh, it's in my case, um, I also need to make more of an effort to clean out my fridge more just because I find that um, I'm like, how old is this onion peel that's been in my <laughs> fridge for a long time? So, um, yes, cleaning out your fridge is also a really great way. Yeah. Um, so if um, so speaking about different foods and fruits and vegetables, plant based diet seems to be something mm-hmm. that's kind of popular in the last few years. But I actually have had some people say to me, oh, this is just a fad. Uh, plant based eating is just a fad. What, what's, what's your thoughts on that? I think that for the most part, most of us can benefit from eating more plant-based protein. I think it's important to make sure you stay away from the extremes. Like I said, we're really drawn to rules, and so um, we often fall into categorizing ourselves as a meat eater or a vegetarian. And so when I talk about plant-based protein and all the benefits of it in terms of nutrients and fiber, I really coach people to try to make gradual change, and you can include more plant-based protein to give you more variety, but that doesn't mean you have to follow a vegetarian diet. Um, So a really good way to experiment, I think, is to take a recipe that you know and love that you make with meat and use half as much meat and then add a can of beans or lentils for protein. That gives you um, some variety and some different nutrients, and it's also more cost-effective than buying meat. Um, So I think it's important to experiment, but then it's also really important to reflect on if you actually like it and how it makes you feel. I think that's another um, component of fad diets. We often blindly follow the rules because we're told to, but we don't actually stop to check in if we're um, enjoying it or if we like the taste of it or if it makes us feel good. So it's always important to check in and make sure you're getting some benefit from it. Mm -hmm. What I actually really like about the new Canvas Food Guide is although it's um, promoting a plant-based diet, it's really emphasizing plant-based foods in our diet, but Mm -hmm. it's not saying not to eat. For sure. It's just saying, um, you know, it's great to include all of these foods, but focusing a little bit more on the plant-based yeah, I think new can- the New Canis Food Guide is more visual, and so it helps us see the building blocks of a meal. Um, every meal should have some kind of carbohydrate from pasta or rice or quinoa or sweet potato or potato because that gives us quick energy, and then some kind of protein, whether it's plant-based like beans or lentils or tofu or mm-hmm. meat-based like eggs or meat or fish. That helps fill us up and carry us through, and then fruits and veggies give us nutrients and fiber. So it models kind of the building blocks of a meal and the fact that there can be a lot of variety within that. Yeah, and if you don't know where to start, a place when I remember looking and and kind of I used to suggest to people as well, but it worked for me, is actually picking up a vegan cookbook and then just 
changing it the other way. So mm -hmm. like if something says almond milk, I would just add cow's milk, for right. example, in my yeah. house. And that's kind of like, because it's hard if you're, um, you know, kind of venturing out, oh, I want to try beans and like, I want to try to include more beans and legumes, but yeah. you know, maybe two recipes, right? right? Yeah. And so it's kind of nice and easy way to, to do that. You don't have to necessarily have the vegan meal. It could be vegetarian, but yeah. um, it's a good place to kind of start if you want to introduce something new yeah it's been tested <laughs> a, a good website is lentils.ca they have lots of recipes that include meat but also include some lentils so that's another good example of trying to make a bit of a transition and find the middle ground mm -hmm. that sounds that's a great tip thank you so you mentioned you just mentioned lentils.ca and we talked about canada's the new canada's food guide and um that dietitians are the best source of um, nutrition information um but if do you have any other suggestions for parents on campus or off campus um, for finding more information about fat diets or nutrition in general? Uh, so another example of a good resource for recipes is Foodland Ontario. They show you what foods, what fruits and veggies are in season when in Ontario, and then they provide lots of good resources and recipes. Um, when it comes to uh, spotting a fad diet or um, providing nutrition information for your kids, some really great resources for parents would be um, the Food Psych podcast with Christy Harrison, and she has a book that's coming out, I think, next week. Um, her podcasts are really about um, strategies to move away from a dieting mentality. Um, a really great resource for kids is Ellen Satter. She talks about the division of responsibility, which is really empowering for parents and kids. So it talks about the role of the parent is to decide what's for dinner and to decide when dinner is, but the role of the kid is to decide how much they want to eat and whether or not they want to eat. So acknowledging that um, when they're young, kids are really quite good at listening to their bodies and being intuitive eaters. It's as mm. we grow up and hear different messages that we tend to become more confused and overwhelmed and tend to doubt our internal signals. So it's trying to honor and preserve the internal cues in kids. Right. Um, so really great resource with lots of information. And then a more local version of that is um, there's a local dietitian named Suzanne Dietrich that recently um, developed and is launching an online course for parents. It's called Growing Intuitive Eaters. Um, so the first course is going to be in January 2020, but it's going to be an ongoing thing where uh, more courses will be offered and you can find out more about it um, on their website, growingintuitiveeaters.thinkific.com. Well, we can definitely add that. Yeah, we'll link um, all those amazing resources in the show notes for any folks who are interested. Awesome. And, and I, um, as a clinical dietitian, I'm sure you get often like questions about um, the benefits of plant-based eating mm. and the benefits of, or, or some of the, um, some questions about fad diets. So I'm sure you get lots of questions related to this kind of thing. What are some common questions you get related to fad diets? Um, I think a lot of what I do, whether it's seeing someone one-to-one -one or in a group setting, is myth-busting. So I get lots of questions around carbs and sugar. I think those are hot topics. And um, a lot of people get the message that carbs are bad and they should avoid them or that sugar is bad and they should avoid it. And I think there's a lot of risks in that extreme approach where we avoid anything completely. Um, so I like to provide a lot of education around why we need carbs, for example, and how they should be a component of every meal. I think um, something that's really helpful in thinking about, as I mentioned, fad diets are usually extreme approaches and they have 
rules around things we should cut out. So instead of thinking about what we should cut out or avoid, um, it's helpful to have a positive approach and think about what are some positive things that I'm going to enjoy and that are good for me uh, that I can do more often. So how can I find a way to eat more fruits and veggies? Or how can I find some recipes to experiment with plant-based protein if that's something that I want to try? How can I have an afternoon snack so I arrive home hungry and ready for dinner but not starving and desperate? So sometimes the outcome might be the same if we're cooking at home or eating more fruits and veggies, eating out less often. Um, sometimes the outcome is the same, but it's a lot more helpful to have a positive approach of what are some good things I can do more often versus the approach of what do I need to cut out or avoid. Right. So it's more like what can I include, not what can I exclude mm -hmm. in yeah. my life. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's interesting because we do kind of tie a lot of ourselves into our eating. For sure. Right? And, yeah. and it's, it's also recognizing too though that sometimes in, in certain cultures it's very hard to separate. So me being an Italian background, food is like family, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. that's kind of how we celebrate. So um, when we, so we kind of have this sense of food is part of our culture, but yeah. at the same time we don't want it to define us right. in terms of like, I ate that chocolate bar, so now the whole day shot and I'm a bad person, mm -hmm. right? And right. so it's kind of um, keeping that in mind. And I, and actually one thing that came up a lot when I used to see patients was, well, I had, a, I, the whole day was shot because I had a chocolate bar, mm -hmm. right? So like, forget the rest of the day, I'm gonna restart, um, you know, healthy eating tomorrow and I'll try tomorrow. But for the rest of the day, I'm just gonna eat chips because I had the chocolate bar. And I used to say, well, if you were on the highway and one of your tires popped, would you go out and slash your other three tires? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no, right? Because there's nothing wrong with mm -hmm. having that chocolate bar. There's nothing wrong with yeah. having foods that you like. It's really the overall dietary pattern and yeah. not saying like, in order for me to be successful, I need to cut out all my carbs. Mm -hmm. I need to, it's like an all or nothing. Yeah. It's more just trying to incorporate um, small steps like you were saying. Yeah. What can I include that's healthy? What can I, what can I do that will be sustainable? Yeah, I call that the what the heck response. So mm -hmm. that often stems from a dieting mentality or fad diets. Um, I've eaten a bad food. I've already screwed up. I might as well keep going. And the undertone of that is that when tomorrow comes, I'm not going to let myself eat that food again. So now's my only opportunity and I right. need to keep eating it now. So I think it's about acknowledging that all foods fit. And anytime we try to avoid something completely, um, it's also called the white bear effect. If I tell you not to think about white bears, you're going to think about white bears. So right. if I tell you, you're never ever allowed to eat sugar again you're going to think about sugar a lot more you're going to crave it more and you're going to feel out of control when you eat it mm -hmm. um, so acknowledging that all foods fit and trying to have self-compassion and a positive approach mm -hmm. I like that self-compassion and a positive approach mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um, I want to kind of ask a bit about kids so how should we talk about fad dieting with our kids um, or should we talk about it? how do we talk about healthy eating with our kids or empower them to make smart food choices yeah, so I think it's really important to acknowledge the influence that parents or guardians or caregivers have. I think it's important to not talk about fad diets with kids. And um, a really helpful resource is Ellen Satter's Division of Responsibility that talks about how our language matters and how parents are responsible for deciding um, what's for dinner and when dinner should happen, but kids can decide when to eat and what to eat. So I think um, modeling good behavior as a parent is really, really important. Um, and acknowledging that division of responsibility that helps um, children have a positive relationship with food and their bodies um, and helps keep the parent's job as the parent's job and the kid's job as the kid's job. Mm -hmm. And I liked what you said about 
not talking about mm -hmm. fad dieting and, and, and also not I um not talking about dieting in front of even if it's yeah. not to your children but yeah. like in front of your right. children yeah I like that because um it's always interesting as my kids get older I I'm amazed at how much they pick up in a conversation that they're not involved in mm -hmm. that I'm just talking with my sister or my husband or a friend and then later on they'll ask a question what does this mean yeah and I don't know that they're listening so um I know now <laughs> that they're <Yeah>. listening. <laughs> and I think it, it can be helpful to use that as a checkpoint. So sometimes when we're immersed in diet culture, um, we don't necessarily realize that we're doing it or we don't mm -hmm. realize the negative comments we're making about our bodies. Um, we know that we would never comment on our daughter or our son's body in that way, but we make right. those comments about our own body. So I think um, checking in around that and um, thinking about the comments you make around your own body and acknowledging mm -hmm. that your kids might be listening. And if it's a, not a comment you would make about their body or about your friend's body, then trying not to make that comment about your own body. That's a really good point. Like not to, and to, like you were mentioning, show compassion, mm -hmm. right? But compassion to ourselves as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because we just never know when they're listening. <laughs> Lindsay, in every episode, we like to give our listeners a few take-home tips. Um, and this week, since our topic is fad diets, do you have any take-home tips for people about fad diets? Um, yeah, so I think three take-home tips related to moving away from fad diets and thinking about an overall positive approach to food. Um, my first one would be to focus on the positive. Lisa, you mentioned that food is part of our culture. That's very, very normal. A common cliche is you are what you eat, and I think that that really is tied into the diet mentality. If I eat a bad food, I'm a bad person. So instead, I like to say that uh, my food habits are a reflection of how I'm doing. So if you're busy or stressed, if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, it's really, really normal normal to spend less time cooking, to eat less fruits and veggies. Um, so instead trying to figure out what's going on for you and focus on the positive, what are some positive things that I can do more often. The second one is to try to make changes gradually. I think when we're, when we're drawn to rules and extreme approaches, we try to change too many things at once and it's really hard to keep up with that. Um, and then it tends to um, negatively affect our confidence. So instead, if you can make really, really gradual changes and build on those positive changes, it helps you build confidence in yourself and maintain them. And then um, the third thing is around self-compassion and being kind to yourself. So recognizing that change is not linear, there's gonna be bumps in the road, um, but I think if we can try to have a positive approach and make gradual positive changes, um, it's more successful. That's great. Well, those sound like three really great tips. Um, so thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. You've given us a lot of really great information and a lot of great food for thought. Um, so we appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me.